Hello again everyone and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. This is episode 23 of the podcast and today we're going to be talking about the ice age of animation. Uh, I'm Mark Febert and with me again as always is Matt Quest. Hello! Today we're just by ourselves so we're just going to get kind of right into it but if you haven't listened to the podcast before this podcast focuses on the entire world of animation so each episode we feature an animated series or film from the past to present whether it's traditionally hand-drawn computer generated or stop motion if it is animated it is up for discussion with us so today we're going to get into the new releases i didn't go over these last week because we had drake bell on the show but i'm going to talk about them now the two new animated blu-rays that came out last week were disney's treasure planet and home on the range and as always with Disney's animated films, they look beautiful on Blu-ray, like straight from the source. Uh, Treasure Planet, I wouldn't mind seeing them re-release in theaters again, and with what they're doing with re-releasing all of their some of their older films in 3D. Treasure Planet would really lend itself to that with, with you know, the yeah, ship shelling through like, space. I haven't seen a lot of that, but isn't there like a lot of like really cool 3D elements in that? Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixture of of the CG animation with the hand drawn animation, and there's a lot of like ships flying through space. Uh, there's a, this, the character Morph in the film that's floating around all the time, so it'd be cool to see them put some 3D elements into it. And kind of going off that, one of the cool things that was on the Blu-ray is that it showed how they were testing out mixing the CG animation with the hand drawn animation. So oh, they sweet. they went back into their their vault of different uh, animated characters they used in the past, and so and they're like, if you can guess who it is, and put a android arm on him, the a CJ animated arm on him to see what that would look like, and they did that with Captain Hook. So was, there's a cool little feature on the Blu-ray where it shows Captain Hook with a android arm. It was just kind of a interesting little thing to see that. Um, there's a visual commentary on there too. It's got the producers and the directors kind of revealing a making of the film. That's got additional footage from the movie, so that was pretty cool to see. There's a bunch of deleted scenes in there that have an alternate ending. So with those alternate endings and f- beginnings to the the film, it had uh, an adult Jim Hawkins talking and kind of uh, you're more or less kind of wondering who he's telling this story of what he did to somebody but they took out those openings and endings of him as an adult talking about the story so by taking those out you don't really need those elements anymore so that was interesting to see that music video for i'm still here which is was performed by the goo goo dolls and john resnick which was it's nice to have a music video on there that's not a performer or somebody from the disney channel <laughs> someone you can actually enjoy yeah. yeah i mean yeah yeah so yeah but the that music video on the treasure planet blu-ray i liked that on there and just overall i like the film treasure planet as a movie by itself all the all of the cast in treasure planet is great i like joe scott and love it there before he's gotten as big as he has now david i pierce martin short just a good cast all together good film definitely if you haven't checked out this movie it's one of the more underestimated and sometimes forgotten 
Disney animated film, so go check it out if you haven't yet. And then the next film we're going to talk about is Home on the Range, which I hadn't seen until I, I'd gotten this Blu-ray in the mail a few weeks ago, and I, I probably can figure out why. Uh, I'll start off with the good stuff about the movie, is that the animation does look really good. It's from the same style of animation that Glenn Keane has done. He's worked on Tangled and every other possible Disney movie you grew up watching. He's pretty much worked on it. But And then you have Ellen Menken, who did most of the music for this film as well. So those two things are great because those are the things that are great about Aladdin and The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast that we all liked. But other than that, the story kind of left some things to, to be desired. Uh, the voice kit... Vast, that voice vast. The voice cast, voice. Uh, uh, is kind of interesting. You have uh, Judy Dench as, does the voice of one of the cows in there. Cuba Gooding Jr. does the voice of the horse. Roseanne does the voice of a cow. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Buscemi does a voice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. It's definitely not a classic Disney movie by any stretch of the imagination, but that that animation style is is really beautiful in the movie, and the music is really well done in that too. So if you're going to watch it, at least watch it for those two things, but don't really expect too much more of on the lines of it comparing to Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or any of your other favorite Disney movies. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Matt share this review he found about Home on the Ranch with you. So that was the positive view on it. And uh, I haven't seen it, but I've looked up, you know, some of the reviews. And I thought I found one that was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, the father of a three-year-old left a review on Amazon. And uh, he says, ultimately, I based my rating on my child's reaction to it. The movie barely held his attention, and after he watched it, he never wanted to see it again. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, just, you know, someone else's opinion. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Patrick actually, he was watching it the entire time, but he hasn't really asked to watch it again since then. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, some of the things that are, that are on the Blu-ray, there's a bonus short, which is a dairy tale, The Three Little Pigs, which is another little tiny animation thing on there with one of the the cows tell, retelling a version of the the three little pigs just kind of an interesting little thing on there uh there's some deleted scenes that really were deleted for a good reason <laughs> uh there's a yodel mentary which is a wacky funny mentary that top lines the history of the yodel and ends with a yodel off from kids and adults around the world which is interesting because the the main the bad guy in home on the range is it yodels to essentially put the 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 cows into this this trance that gets them to follow him and whatnot which is weird but what? yeah <laughs> so yeah there's that's why that's on there and then there's some other cool things on there there's a music video there's trailblazers the making of home on the range which is cool because if you do like seeing how animated films are made which obviously us us two of the two of us do and if you listen to this podcast i'm assuming that you do as well so that's a, a good feature on there to watch 
he did a kind of behind the, the scenes with Glenn Keane designing some of the characters and Alan Menken putting together the music. So that's cool to see. And then you see how they came to the Southwest for some inspiration on how to animate the film and the colors they used in it. And all the Southwest, as I can see, is from, from moving down here over the since last year, is not all just orange. And that there is green and there's some other colors as well. So, but yeah, definitely if I would say buy Treasure Planet, rent Home on the Range, and then feel like Home on the Range enough, or if you're a completionist for your Disney animation collection, buy it. But yeah, those were the, the two animated Blu-rays that came out this past two weeks. So with that, we're going to get into our recommendations. And my recommendation for the week is they just, I believe they just put this on Netflix Instant, was the Six Days to Air, the Making of South Park documentary, which I thought was pretty cool. It shows how Trey Parker and Matt Stone put together these up, these awesome episodes of South Park in less than a week and how stressful it is for them. And and basically how how uh, technologically advanced the, the animation software mm-hmm. that they used is they used to do the show with compared to what they started off with just doing the stop motion with the construction paper. And it, if you you are interested in seeing how like an animated show like that is is made, it's a really cool documentary to watch. If you like South Park, it's it's awesome. And by relation, like Family Guy or The Simpsons, those take about eight to ten months to put one episode together. So, and and that it's it's cool how South Park can be more I don't know topical with things that they put out because it only takes them about a week to make the episodes. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. It's like really good behind the scenes on like shows you like uh, all the steps and the you know the processes behind it, and it really does show you an accurate portrayal of how stressful it can be. And I think there was one uh, really interesting part where they were talking about how you know you make it as as good as you can. But, you know, you're still kind of like, because I know from, you know, experience working at Fisher Price, you make, you know, these, you know, uh, cartoons as good as you can. And there's still like a little bit, you don't think it's like, yeah. well, for, for me, at least, you don't think it's like the greatest episode ever. And then, you know, it gets out there and then you get your reviews and then you can kind of relax a little bit. But it is really stressful. And it's always, you know, when you think you're done there's still like that little bit of like, I wish I could have done this, you know, kind of feeling. There's a part in there where Trey Parker is saying it's good. It's somewhat good that we have a deadline because I never feel like I've finished the episode. So if we didn't have that deadline, I'd keep working on it. And he always in there, you can see like he, he thinks that current episode that they're working on that, which happened to be the human Senna pad episode. He thought it was the crappiest episode they had done in the entire series. And, and then they released it, and, like, half the people they work with thought that was one of the best ones they had done. And the other cool thing I thought about that, that documentary was that it shows the animators work on that show work on all these different aspects of it, where in, like, a normal animation studio or series, you'd have these different departments working on different, like, the backgrounds or shading and whatnot. But in, with South Park, they're all pretty much working on all these different departments at the same time so 
it's kind of similar like in Fisher Price as well. Like we work on like one person, like my job, I do, you know, like different things, you know, we wear like multiple hats. You get like a crew of people and they all help each other out, you know? So like one person can do shading, lighting, texturing, you know, and rendering. So it's not just all, you know, separate things. We are like combined into certain departments, but we still, you know, join and like help out other people too so it's it's cool to see that with the south park as well definitely so yeah if you haven't seen that yet definitely go check it out it's on netflix instant if you have netflix if you don't have netflix sign up for netflix and watch it yeah and here matt's gonna give you his recommendation for this week all right my recommendation for this week is the gruffalo's child not to be mistaken by the uh, other short film, The Gruffalo. Um, the Gruffalo's Child uh, is, we'll get into our main topic later, is one of our cold animations. But uh, The Gruffalo's Child is probably my number one like favorite um, short film because of the lighting and like the, the realistic lighting and the very stylized textures. It looks co- like a completely real environment. Yeah. with this stylized stop motion look it's it just it, like the first time i saw it totally like blew me away i i couldn't believe it i was just like drooling at the tv screen i was like this this is unreal yeah i was saying to you i had a i had to ask if it was stop or if it was claymation or if it was cg and the fact that it's cg I mean, claymation is, is awesome, but the fact that it's CG and it looks like it's claymation is pretty impressive because it yeah. looks like there's these real environments that they're using and that they did stop motion claymation with it to to make it, but it's all CG animated and you wouldn't even think that by watching it. Yeah, it's it's seriously one of the most realistic looking CG films I've ever seen, so definitely check it out it's on you can look it up on vimeo you can find it just search the gruff uh the gruffalo's child and you'll find it on there and you'll find the gruffalo the the other short film which is also you know top notch rendering you know realistic lighting and i posted i'll post a link to it in our show notes on our website too so i'll post a note or link to anything we usually talk about so if if you don't want to go through all the hassle you can find it that way too but yeah those are our recommendations definitely check those out because I, I didn't get to watch all the gruffles child yet i only got to watch 12 minutes before we started recording but i i want to finish watching that and watch the gruffalo as well so and then out of comic-con this week we have some new trailers well frank the frank and Winnie one is from comic-con disney put out this kind of old school old horror type animated i mean old horror film type trailer for it or it kind of reckons back to creature from the black lagoon and i really liked the style of the way that they did the trailer and i hope that they continue to market the film that way because i really liked it and i what i've seen from other people online they prefer that kind of marketing for the film and it's the the first kind of thing that's really got people pumped to see the movie it's like a retro style trailer from, you know, like an old horror film. And it's, you know, you don't see too many trailers like that these days. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Which was was funny. The day before that, my wife and I had watched Singing in the Rain. And they had like, you know, like how, the way that trailers have like evolved over the past 80 or 
70 years and you see like how it was 60 years ago for that film how they made a trailer to like you know how the really actiony oriented trailers yeah. that that come out nowadays it'd be it'd be interesting to see them go back to do trailers more like that and then the day after i saw that frank and Winnie one so yeah definitely check that frank and Winnie one out now I'll, I'll post a link to it and then the next one that we have is from blue sky which is the major studio we're going to be talking about with our the ice age films later on in the episode but they put out a trailer for their film epic that's going to be coming out next year which is in another film about little people, fairy type people. Another and, little people film, yes. Yeah, it, but the the animation in it looks really well done, it, and it looks like a departure from some of like the other style of animation that they've done for like Rio and Ice Age and robots. And it'll be interesting to kind of see if they can continue to do other films other than just the Ice Age series, because pretty much all they've done so far is robots. Or Ice Age movies and Rio. So it, it is good to see Blue Sky open up and do another film that's something not, different. It's yeah. not Ice Age 5. Or actually, uh, but co- coming off of that, they're doing Rio 2 that's going to be coming out in two years or so around the time of the next World Cup that's taking place in Brazil. So they're going to time it with that because apparently the storyline to Rio 2 is going to revolve around the World Cup somehow. But yeah. So those are the new trailers for this week. Check those out if you get a chance to. And with that, we're going to get into the news. There's a couple of little animation news things that came out of the Comic-Con this past week. Or Alan Tudyk joined the, the voice cast of Wreck-It Ralph. He'll be in the film, too. And you may recognize Alan Tudyk. He was uh, Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball. Uh, and then he was actually the voice of the robot in iRobot. But yeah, he's going to be joining the cast and I'm really excited still to see Wreck-It Ralph. They released some more stills from the movie. It just looks really awesome with that. You can play Fix-It Felix Jr. actually now on Facebook too. So Nice. If you want to play the game that Wreck-It Ralph is in, just go to Facebook, check it out. I put a link to it on our Facebook page so you can check it out there. Matt, did you have anything you wanted to add about what you're excited to see with Wreck-It Ralph coming out? Uh, just a few comments. I mean, uh, I can't wait to see it because you see all like the video game licenses and just for like uh, a PR, like marketing standpoint, this that movie's got to be like the worst nightmare like ever. All those like getting all those licenses yeah. to show that on like, you know, a movie. It must have been an absolute nightmare. They must have had like a team of a hundred like people just to get all that just in the film. So this, it's going to be amazing to see all those different characters and like actually what they are, not like you know Mario with like different eyeballs or something. Oh yeah, because right. they couldn't use the license. So well, it's yeah. Gonna be- speaking of that, they they had wanted to get Mario Luigi in the movie, but Nintendo wanted too much money, I guess, for the movie, which Disney could afford, but apparently they didn't want to pay. The so, amount that Nintendo wanted for Mario and Luigi in the movie. So they're not in the movie? Yeah, Mario and Luigi aren't in the movie, but I mean, we I got a saw, bunch. I saw a trailer. I saw a picture somewhere where I saw Mario on the cover with Wreck It Ralph. So it That's, was a lie. Yeah, it could have been photoshopped. Well, one of the, the things that the director said was that if they were making a movie about video games, they have to use actual characters from games in the movie. So yeah. they melded a lot of the people from various video game companies together and little by little 
most of them said yes. So you are we're getting at least like Hubert in there, Pac Man. Basically we're getting a lot of like older characters that I would assume like those companies would just wanna like get the word out about those characters again so maybe they can put out new games. And there's actually a Sonic video game coming out soon that Wreck It Ralph is gonna be in. So that would and that's just a completely different game. It's not tied to Wreck It Ralph at all. But it's cool to kind of see Wreck-It Ralph entering his way into all the video games in the real world, just like he's going to be in that film. That's pretty neat. So it'll be interesting to see that. And then the next thing was the DreamWorks animation panel, where they talked about The Croods, which is another animated film they're going to be doing. Just kind of goes back to Cavemen, and it's got a different type of animation that they haven't really done before. So it should be interesting to see that. I'm interested to see that, Rise of the Guardians... I, I like whenever these animation studios do like more original films like Pixar has been trying to do where they've they've done pretty much ten original films and then they've had maybe a few sequels. But Blue Sky has done four Ice Age movies, like we've already said. Uh, and then uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know, I just don't like to see them milk the franchises for everything they're worth until they're not good films anymore. And like, uh, DreamWorks did announce that Kung Fu Panda Three is going to be coming out. So I am excited. See, but Kung Fu Panda Three is a good series. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see that as long as it's good, and hopefully it, it will be. Uh, but they don't. They don't, I don't know. They don't always need to do the the TV series to tie into it, I guess. But I'm just still excited to see How to Train a Dragon Two. So. Yeah, that should be pretty good. Yeah, that was the news that came out of Comic Con this week. So hopefully you're you're just staying tuned to our Facebook page too, because as, as news like that was coming out, I was trying to post it to both our Twitter feed and the Facebook feed. So if you don't follow us on Twitter yet or Facebook, make sure that you check those out, because sometimes that stuff we don't cover in the show, I'll post there, and you can check it out there too. But from that, we're going to get to our main topic, and the Ice Age of animation, basically cold animation any film or films that have taken place in cold environments that are animated which we'll start with the ice age franchise and go from there all right i want to say one thing before we start too i because i have worked on a a little people episode um zoo talkers and uh, i helped create the uh the arctic environment for that episode and i'll tell you one thing Creating CG snow is one of the hardest things I have ever done. So all the snow you see in all these, you know, movies we review right now, I am, you know, completely impressed with all of them. Definitely. Uh, So starting with Ice Age from 2002. And this is one of the things that's kind of, that I don't like about the Ice Age series is that in in that first film, they kind of try to be somewhat realistic with... I mean, more or less from the standpoint of that the animals can talk, but that they find like this Eskimo child and they try to bring him back to his parents, and like that makes sense where like they can all coexist with like in this time and environment, and maybe like these animals you can only understand each other and they don't actually ever talk to those humans, so it doesn't like break kind of a rule that they set up there where you know these animals can talk to humans and whatnot. But then, like, as the series progressed, Ice Age, the meltdown, the sequel to the first film, 
I didn't like as much it entered, I mean, it added Ellie, uh, the, who would be Manny's wife eventually, and Crash and Eddie, and then, I mean, that one was, was really cartoony, which, I mean, I know it is a cartoon, but, I don't know, it got away from some of the realism that they had in the, the first movie, and then the third movie, there's dinosaurs in it, so yeah. it just kind of throws that all out the window, but, which is funny because the third movie is actually my favorite out of the four films. And that might well, lead to the... Have you seen The Continental Drift yet? Yeah. Okay, I haven't. That could have been... Uh, I've led to the fact because Simon Pegg does the voice of Buck in the film. I liked him a lot in there. There's a, a funny line that Sid says in Ice Age 4, though, is like, should have seen our last adventure where there's dinosaurs. Didn't make sense, but man, was it fun. <laughs> So I, I liked how that little referential joke towards himself. And then this fourth movie had pirates in it with, like, uh, pirate ships made out of icebergs and whatnot, which was was fun. But, I mean, I guess if they hadn't set up, like, the, those rules are more or less in the first film, I would have been okay with all the stuff they've done in every film since then, but it felt like they moved away from the tone they set up in the first film and moved farther and farther away from it each movie since that yep the corporate machine you gotta milk it for all it's worth man <laughs> so it, what is your what are your thoughts on the ice age movies i mean they make a lot of money <laughs> yeah. e- each film has made more than the film before it and with at least the third and the fourth movie that's added to the fact that they've been yeah. in 3d but from a business standpoint you know, I'd say make 10 more, but you know yeah. what, from like an animation, you know, kind of standpoint where I've like, you know, uh, doing all these, uh, you know, uh, sequels. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I mean, do something original, you know? Right. But yeah, I mean, some of the things that stood out from this fourth movie that I did like where Peter Dinklage plays the, the ape that's in the movie. And there's like a, a shanty song in it, and I liked that. So maybe if they had done more like musical things like that in the fourth film, I would have liked it a bit more. But I think if I had to rank the movies, I would say th- Ice Age 3, Ice Age the original, Ice Age 4, and then Ice Age 2. And that order would be my favorites. But I don't know. I They're probably going to make a fifth movie. Cause they're going to make a fifth movie. It did really well this, this past weekend. They haven't really... It didn't really tie up a lot of things, I guess. But all right, let's let's place bets right now on what the fifth movie is gonna be. It's probably gonna be like on a desert like island somewhere where there's no snow or ice at all. That's my guess. Well, not, I mean, it's not really a spoiler because it's in within the title, but the continental drift happens where the Pangea becomes all of. The, the continents that we have today because of Scrat falling to the middle of the earth and creating. Yeah, see, that's another thing, too. Scrat created, broke all the continents apart when he fell to the middle of the earth somehow and broke them all apart. But it kind of ends with with all these continents being separated. So, And then they had Ice Age and Meltdown, which was supposed to be, the, I mean, the, the original sequel where the ice was starting to melt, but they still there's still plenty of snow in the third and, and fourth movies. But I don't know, I mean, I don't know where else they could go with the movies unless... I, I don't know. 
Ice Age in space. Probably. Or somehow they all get frozen in ice in in the beginning of the episode, or the beginning of the the film and then they do it uh Encino Man style and they all get thawed out in current times and they have a, an adventure in contemporary times. I can I, Man, I, that's I, an awesome movie. <laughs> I can I can see that happening. Ice Age and Encino Mammoth. You know, they could do this like where they like freeze and then like the full cycle goes again and like we're in another ice age and then they wake up in another ice age so they could keep it going could yeah. be like number 3000 3015 like the year 3015 or something yeah number five number five they all freeze are thought in the contemporary times somehow freeze again and then wake up wake up like in the year 7000 and it's another ice age yeah, it could happen. They could keep it going that way. But yeah, that's that's the Ice Age series. Uh, we're interested to see what you guys think about it. So uh, leave us some comments on the Facebook page or Twitter or whatnot. Let us know what you think. Or leave us a review on iTunes because we're looking for reviews on there too so we can make it to the top 200 at least. Uh, from there, we're going to get into Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. Sure. The animation in these films is really well done too. It's and there is some mixture of the animation with uh, live action footage. That like when I saw the first movie, I didn't I didn't know if it was just really really well done CG animation or if they did mix the the live action there as well too. But it is melded well enough together where it like that live action footage doesn't stand out too much from. The animation and the first Happy Feet film is definitely a, a lot better of a film than its sequel. And I really like the music that they do in these films to kind of cover these different songs. And they put a little penguin and ice spin on the songs and put these different lyrics into it. But the first film was really good. I like Elijah Wood in there. And then the second film is, doesn't have as strong of a story, but Bill and Krill, Bill and Will the Krill. With uh, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon doing the voices of those two are probably the best part of the sequel. What did you think of the two Happy Feet films, Matt? I haven't seen the second one. The first one, all I gotta say is Robin Williams. Oh yeah. Like whenever he does, like voice so awesome. Acting, he needed to do two voices in the movie. Yeah. So like whenever I hear his voice in a movie, it's 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 a good movie. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know. I think the the you know the live action with the um with the 3d it just it kind of messed with me a little bit because you know i'd like things to be consistent but it just i feel like maybe they ran out of their budget and they were like okay we're gonna do live action now so yeah there's kind of like a tonal shift near the, the end of the first happy feet where like most of the, most of the movie is i don't know like happy for lack of a better term and then like it becomes kind of like an environmental PSA somewhat near the end of it. Yeah, but, I, I bet they ran out. I seriously bet they ran out of money on that movie, and they had to like cut the budget, and they had to do like live action. So I bet it was script storyboarded to do like all animation CG, and then in the middle of the project something happened. The CEO bought a Ferrari or something, and then they had to you know cut the budget, do live action. And there actually are plans for Happy Feet three, but the only mention of that came from an interview with the director george miller 
And he said, if you had had to put a gun to in my head and said, you have to come up with a story for Happy Feet Three, I'd I'd say shoot me. I would have <laughs> I would have no idea. I really would have no idea. Stories creep up on you. You just have to allow the stories to come, and then they get in like little earworms in your head, and then they won't go away. If it happens and we've got the energy, we'll do a third one. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That's the only way you could do it. It has to be authentic. I really wanted to make this film better than the first one. Other, otherwise, at my age, what's the point? You really want to make it better. If something comes up that's really exciting and I can convey the enthusiasm to other people, then there would be a third one. I, I So I do like his kind of line of thought there where... I mean, it, that didn't really happen with the second movie because it wasn't as good as the first movie, but if he did make a third movie, he's going to make it because he wants us to make a good film and not just to make another movie and go into the, the sequel machine. But yeah, that's the Happy Feet franchise. And from there, we're going to talk briefly about Pebble and the Penguin from Don Bluth. Uh, I've never actually seen The Pebbles and the Penguin. It's on my animation shame list because I, I would like to, to see all of Don Blue's films. Because I've seen Rockadoodle, so if you've seen Rockadoodle, you, you probably should have seen this. But Pebble and the Penguin was a 1995 animated musical film, and it was based on true life mating rituals of penguins in Antarctica. And film was released April 11, 1995, and the voices in the film were Martin Short, uh, Annie Golden, James, Jim Belushi, and Tim Curry. So this is one that I, I do need to see eventually, and I remember seeing a bunch of promos for this when I was a kid, but I, I just, I guess I never got around to seeing it. Yeah, I think I remember seeing like the the posters or something for this. I never saw it. I might I might have seen clips of it. I think I've seen, I saw the trailer when it came out. Yeah. And that's why it looks familiar to me. I, I do remember that the movie was like almost universally panned by the critics, though. It's got, <laughs> it's got an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Uh, the film was given two thumbs down by Siskel and Ebert. And wow. Gene Siskel noted that the film's animation looks cheap and unfinished and that none of the songs are memorable. <laughs> Well, Roger Ebert added his dislike of the film's color coding of its heroes and villains. So, I mean, it, maybe it's one of those films that it's so bad that it's good nowadays. Or it's, it could be. it's so bad that it's got a cult following behind it. Or one it. of those films you could turn into a drinking game because <laughs> something's so horrible in it. Yeah, and the film only made $28 million when it came out, which... It was grossed over by the more superior and more awesome film, a Goofy movie. Oh. Starring Goofy and Max. But yeah, so if you've seen The Pebble and the Penguin and you think that we should watch it, let us know because neither of us have seen it. Uh, the next film from there is actually from Amblin Anima Entertainment Animation, who is headed by Spielberg, who they d also did. Uh, Fievel, you talked about that before, and yep. I remember Balto really well from when I was a kid. The movie starts with a live action scene uh, with an older woman and a young girl in Central Park near the actual Balto statue, and then it goes into like the story of Balto, the the sled dog, and 
and then and then they ended up making a trilogy of these films which were there's two straight to dvd sequels that both had a kid and then there's one that had the the goose from the film being one of the heroes that Balto had to help him but yeah the, the first film was really well done and i liked it a lot and i, I remember one of the things in that the, the memorable lines from that was the goose sam's so cold i've got people bumps since he's a goose <laughs> yeah that's pretty good but yeah, this is definitely one of the films i remember the most from when i was a kid do you what do you remember about balto i i think i remember seeing like bits and pieces of it again but uh you know it, it seems like it was just one of those that just flew under the radar for me you know yeah <laughs> uh some of the things from this that are kind of interesting is that the the differences from historical actual things that happened with the real balto is that obviously balto is the only animal and possibly the only character in the entire movie who is actually real uh the sled run to retrieve the medicine was actually a relay instead of being leader of the first team balto was the leader of the last team to carry the medicine to gnome and the balto was never an outcast as shown by the movie but was instead born into a kennel owned and by the famous musher Leonard Suppla, whatever his name is, uh, yeah. where he was trained until he was deemed fit to pulling a sled as a lead dog. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. But, and then, and then again, they had, like I was just saying, they had to go and ruin it by releasing two straight to DVD sequels to these. Balto 2 Wolf Quest was released in 2002, and that's the film is Adventures of Balto and Jenna's Pups mainly their daughter who sets out to discover her own wolf heritage. And then Balto 3, Wings of Change, storyline followed the same litter of pups from Balto 2, but the focus on another Balto pups named Cody. So essentially the third movie is the same thing as the second movie, just a different kid. And I neither... like the cover. I like the cover to the second one, only because the wolf quest is in my favorite font. <laughs> and that's Trojan Pro. I know that. I know I'm a nerd. And then you could just, if you wanted to, you could kind of cut out the little quest part and use that for your name or something. Could, but I won't because I don't like Balto. <laughs> oh. All right. The, the next film we're going to talk about hasn't actually come out yet. It's a film that Disney has had in production for seems like a super long time. It's, it was originally called the snow queen. It's now called frozen snow queen. Sounds like a much more awesome title though. Snow uh, and originally it was scrapped in late 2002. However, as of March 2010, Disney shelved the project again. And then as of June 2010, Disney announced that the film was put on hold. Uh, in December 2011, Disney announced a new title for film Frozen and a release date of November 27th of 2013. And then a month later, it was confirmed that the film will be a 3D CG animated feature. It was originally going to be hand-drawn, so... It's the same thing with, like, Tangled was originally developed to be uh, traditionally hand-drawn, but then it would, became 3D CG animated. Which, I, w I wish that they would, wouldn't it just completely abandon the traditional hand-drawn animation altogether? It's all, it's all corporate, like, you know, CG just makes more money these days than the regular 2D, you know, hand-animated animated films, but I'll tell you what. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, that was an awesome film, and that was two D, you know, animated. Yeah, so I mean, obviously they could do that too. I mean, because they could, they could have done uh, Pooh, 
to be in CG animation because they they had the TV show my my friends Tigger and Pooh that was CG animated, so oh. they could have just kept going like that. But more on this was that in March of this year, Christian Bell is going to be doing the voice of the lead character, uh, and then John Lasseter and is going to be one of the producers on the film, obviously. Uh, then June of this year, it was announced that Bell will voice Anna, the young dreamer, and that, can't pronounce someone's name, but Dina Menzel will voice also the Snow Queen. Uh, the songs in the film are going to be written by Broadway composers Robert Lopez and his wife, Christian Anderson Lopez. And then that the plot in or is going to be in order to stop the spell, which has trapped the kingdom in eternal winter, Anna teams up with Kristoff, a mountain man, and goes on a journey to find the Snow Queen, all while encountering Eversight-like extremes, mystical creatures, and magic. So that film seems like it could turn out to be pretty awesomely done in the CG animation, but it would have been cool to see Android animation too, so hopefully when the film does eventually come out in Blu-ray, maybe they'll have some stuff from the original development of the movie on there about the traditional hand-drawn animation animation because they did have some stuff like that with the tangled yeah. blu-ray so blu-ray release yeah if there's that's pretty much it for this week's episode if there's any cold animation type films that you think that we missed or that you'd like us to talk about maybe like a future episode you can let us know by contacting us individually on twitter i'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T, or Matt? At Questpack, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T. Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast. We just recently got over 200 followers, so thank you for that. Always looking for more people to for to share our podcast with. So if you like our podcast, definitely let people know. Leave us a, a review on iTunes, because the more we get on there, the more... It'll push us up in the top podcast in the TV and film genre on there. Maybe we'll even get on the new and noteworthy if enough you guys review us. Uh, and then you can visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com or feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com or you can be amongst the hundreds or just hundred of people. <laughs> exactly, a hundred and actually it's going up, 109. Yeah, so thanks for that, too. That like us on Facebook just by searching Animation Fascination. Uh, we have some, a few surprises coming up in the, the next few weeks with possible guests that we're going to be getting on. You follow us on Twitter, like I've been saying, or Facebook. You'll see these things first, but hopefully we're going to be getting on people that like to create worthwhile things to do every single day during your summer. So... You might know what I'm talking about if you watch the animated series that they created. Uh, and then someone from an animation studio that is releasing a film later this summer that's paranormal. Activities happen in it. Uh, yeah. If So f for myself, I'm Mark Vibbert. Matt Quest. Yup. Everybody uh, have a good night. Well, we thank you for listening and make sure to tune in again next time when we'll be talking about... Batman. Here, guys. See you.